0: Hi, welcome. I'm Perianne Grignon, and I'm a partner at Media Plus Advisors. And this is the Plus Up podcast. I'm joined today by my two partners, Carly Feinstein and Susan George. Hello. Hello. This is a pretty big one. And I'm going to turn it over to Carly because she's going to talk about what our theme is and what we're going to get into today. Carly, I'm tossing it to you.
1: Great. So, to our you know listeners that that are listening to all our podcasts this topic's going to sound somewhat familiar because in a previous podcast we talked about our recommendations for maintaining strong and successful relationships and we actually ended ended that that podcast that I'm referring to with five recommendations and We've been talking about it together, Susan Ann, and I that we realize we want to dig deeper into each for our listeners' pleasure. We also want to point out that all of these you know while while we're maybe known as media people and often talk about media agency accountability and all of that, these recommendations apply to any marketer agency relationship. So before I jump into, which one we're talking about, which is the first one, I'm gonna review them for those of our listeners who haven't heard. So what we have deemed the five keys to maintaining strong and successful partnerships, the first one is communicate and align on expectations. We often hear both sides say things like, at my last agency, or we assumed no one can read minds. Number two, Scope the agreement and staff teams on both sides to match the expectations and business goals. Again, making assumptions leads to issues. Number three, trust and transparency are so important. Without them, a relationship, a partnership just can't work. And that goes both ways. But of course, a little mystery is okay. Number four, measure success on the shared goals that were identified together. Number five: Monitor and govern expectations, ways of working, and these success metrics on an ongoing basis. So we're going to today dive into communicate and align on expectations. That's what we're going to talk about, um, and of course, you know, through a series of of questions to each other, we'll dig deeper into our point of view and our recommendations. A couple things that are important to note is that. Um, A non-working partnership can be fixed, and usually with just a few changes. Clients don't have to go straight to pitch to find a new partner just because of a few issues. I'm going to do one of my horrible analogies, but I got to do it. It's like a married couple getting divorced because you don't like how your spouse cuts pickles, spears, or coins. I like the coins, by the way. The identification of issues and putting in effort to make some changes takes a lot less energy, time, and cost than finding someone new. So the other important thing to note before we jump into the first question is that any of these recommendations that we're talking about can be implemented at any time. Like on your status meeting this week, it doesn't have to be Um, at at a big, you know, formal time, like a pitch or renegotiation of scope or um, performance reviews. It really doesn't have to be that formal and timed. So with that, I am going to ask Susan the first question. And I have to start by saying, I don't think there is another word in the dictionary that makes me cringe in both my personal and professional lives as much as assume. Assuming always gets people in trouble, especially in business partnerships. What are some of the benefits of steering clear of assumptions?
2: So thanks, Carly. You know it's funny. As much as you like a good analogy, you also like a good catchphrase. So I'm impressed that you got this question out without saying, you know, what happens when you assume. But um, anyway, um, you know, it it really. Clients and agencies, they just come from different perspectives. So when you think about an agency team, as you move up through the agency world, you're you're getting trained on different accounts. You learn certain ways of doing things. You move on to the next account. You're you're learning other ways of doing things. So that just becomes how things get done. And that's what you bring up through your experience. Clients also go through similar things. They've got different experience, different ways they're learning how to do things. And both agency and clients, they operate within very different organizations with very different priorities and very different um, ways that they're being measured on what their job success looks like. So they're, while it feels like it should be natural that the, the client and agency relationship on a day-to-day ongoing basis should be working towards the same outcomes, and they likely are, the the experience and priorities that clients and agencies are bringing into this relationship are very different. So a client may assume that the planning team is doing something or they're talking to the implementation team who's talking to the analytics team, but the planning team has a different, just a different experience. And and so without those things being, um, you know, very explicit and communicated, people just don't know. And, and and, you know, it a client might have might have come from an agency team where they learned a certain way of doing things because those things were in scope on that client on those clients that that particular client member worked on as an agency person. So now they've come into their client role, assuming this is how things get done. Well, and that's just not how it works. um, and it can, it it sounds. It can be frustrating. it Can be frustrating when you're ha- having those experiences where, you know, you you know what this work is like. You you feel like you know what should be happening, but unless somebody else knows what you're thinking, and vice versa, you're getting frustrated. The client keeps asking you for things, but that's not how it's done. Unless you have those conversations, uh, it, it's very hard to read people's minds and just know and just understand the different experiences that people are coming from. And, you know, Perry ann you've got a lot of great client experience, and you did that shift. You you came from an agency and then moved into some pretty big client roles. So, you know, from your experience, would you say that marketers tend to feel that, you know, the, their ways of working are the right ways of working because they're paying the bills? Or what are your kind of thoughts on that?
0: Oh, sure. I mean, like, first of all, a lot of clients have one, you know, basic characteristic in common, and that's arrogance, But, you know, yes, you know, clients are the buyer in the relationship, but the high level thinking is that you're in a partnership here and agencies are providing an essential service that you're not doing yourself. And so if you want to market and engage people and uh, move your brand ahead, you know, you need them and therefore they need to hold, you know, a lot of equal weight. But (laughs) here's what happens when you take a role on the client side. Congratulations. You will now be in meetings from, you know, 7 in the morning to 6 p.m. at night. You want to go to your kid's t-ball game? Well, guess what? You're going to have to build a team and capabilities that are actually very broad. Um, The other thing that you find out when you, you know, take a job on the client side is that you're going to have a tiny team. Tiny. And In some cases, those folks, because it's on the corporate side, have been in those jobs a long time and may not have, you know, the current, uh, you know, training or levels of expertise that, you know, you really want. So you need your agency even more. Um, You have to get to that realization that you need them. They need you. It's symbiotic. And that you have to get to shared goals, as, you know, Carly likes to say. Um, I'll tell you one little short story that I learned, you know, work, I work for a lot of CMOs. One of them actually told me, said, you know, after meeting the CEO of our media agency, um, you know, the this, this CMO said to me, you know, you need to spend time with where that leader of that agency is spending their time they're doing something, they're investing in something, they're trying to move their agency ahead, innovate, or, you know, become something. Are you aware of what that is? Are you um, giving them the space um, and, uh, you know, support uh, that they need to get there? And, you know, he's spending time on something, you better be there and and understand what it is, if if you want to get, you know, the best innovation and the best ideas. And I think that what clients need to do too is really define what they mean by the word support. Does that mean like, you know, shaking their pom-poms on the sidelines and being a cheerleader? Okay, well that's good, but it could be, you know, allowing, you know, some of the important, you know, staffers that work on your account to spend time on innovation, to spend time on where the agency wants to go. I mean, you know, time equals money and you know you can really adjust your scope to do that um the other way that you know clients can really support agencies is by being willing to make endorsements and you know make endorsements from you know we go to ana you know events and we see you know a lot of agency and client partners you know up on the stage you know obviously doing some co-endorsement you know that 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 definitely helps agencies they will love that and to stand up there and say you know hey you know, I'm a client, here was my problem, here's how, you know, the agency was able to solve this for me and really move my business ahead. So I think, you know, just to sum up is that, yeah, it's it's the relationship has to work both ways. You definitely need them just to survive your job. And that, you know, you have to define what support really means to you. And I think that you can move it ahead that way. Um, but, hey, you know, Carly, not everybody's gonna buy into our POV, right? Um, you know, do you, you know, tap into any case studies or maybe research or uh, thought leadership that you can share with folks here um, where successful partnerships have really led to successful outcomes?
1: For sure. And, you know, you're right. Not everyone's going to buy into our point of view, but I'm a starry eyed optimist, as I've said a 100 times. And it makes me sad that there are just so many media and marketing people that feel that trust and transparency is a lost cause, that that too much damage has been done and images are irreparable. So, yes, there will be people that say it's not worth the effort, but it is worth the effort. Attend any ANA, forays, IAB, any industry event and a case study is going to be presented to prove that strong relationships and partnerships, client agency partnerships rooted in good com- communication where they had a clear shared goal with success metrics identified at the start and those those case studies are are always going to end with positive business outcomes and learnings. So, you know, we we actually just talked about one that we heard about um with Intel and Amplify, where it was just everyone, they were lockstep. They talked about that at the, at the ANA conference. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail in, in that just, just, I know how many we've attended of these conferences and there's always great case studies. And you could do a simple Google search and find hundreds of studies and surveys on the link between communication and successful relationships, spanning from personal relationships, academic, and to business. I actually found one um, that McKinsey did, an article about communication and relationships, and they did a survey, and this is in 2019, and I found it so interesting that um, what they talked about in this article is that managers can cite several core reasons for partnership success and failure, and effective communication and trust showed up as a factor in success 44% Forty-four percent of the time, and it was missing in failures thirty-eight percent of the time. Just thought that was really interesting, and of course, I couldn't, I couldn't answer your question, Perry Ann, without having some numbers out there. But I also want to encourage our listeners in the business who have had been on one side of countless client agency relationships to just think about their own experiences. When expectations, goals, and success are defined and lockstep, that's when the magic happens. So I am, though, going to ask you, Susan, Mm -hmm. because I think it's just going to be just as, if not more powerful, to point out and share some of our experiences where expectations were not communicated but rather assumed and led to disastrous outcomes. Can you share a couple that come to mind? Sure. You know, I was thinking about this and, and I actually
2: had a few examples that came to mind, um, you know, back in our previous roles, it was rare when the three of us worked on a project together, but there happened to be one that the three of us did have a hand in. Um, and you know, it, it was such a great example of just how much communication had broken down, um, you know, this was a client and agency team that had regular meetings, regular um, status meetings, status reports. Theoretically, they had all these lines of regular communication open, but they were not clear on what the appropriate ways of working were and could not have an appropriate conversation about it. So, you know, we were brought in to help dive into this partnership And I think one of the things that was so striking was, you know, we are hearing from the client, well, they're never telling us when things are due. They're never telling us this. They're never telling us that. said, well, one of the great ways would be, what are your status reports like, your status meetings? It's like, oh, yeah, we have a status meeting every week, but we need to jump in and get onto everything that's urgent and hot. And the agency's like, we send probably 35 emails about what's due, but because when we jump on those status meetings, we're having a conversation about what those urgent things are right now. And you know, we were happy to go in and work on some of these things because the fixes were actually quite simple when you broke apart what was happening. They just needed to, to focus on better communication with each other, get into better practice with some of their um, documentation and things like that. But it, it it's it's um it almost felt, you know, did are we really at this point because they forgot how to use a status meeting and, a, and document appropriately? But it, it was really just a communication breakdown. And and more recently, I've been thinking, you know, ooh, probably in the past two years, I worked on a project where we did this big survey, um, you know, where we were interviewing a lot of brand people about what they felt about the agency, sharing those results with the agency and getting the input from the agency. And one of the things kept coming up was, you know, the uh, we're briefing them and they're giving us back plans and they're just not the plans that we were expecting. We thought X, Y, and Z vendor would be on it. You're like, well, what was the brief? Well, number one, do you just want to run on X, Y, and Z vendor? Number two, do you have a brief that you're trying to communicate that maybe there were some different vendors that would be appropriate? And, and, and you know, when you heard from the agency, it, it There was such a lack of communication um, that everyone was just frustrated. So if you want to be in certain vendors and you think they're the right things for your business and you need an agency to just execute that, then communicate that to your agency. If you're looking to drive sales, do whatever, whatever the um, expectations were laid out in the brief, listen to what the agency has to say and have a conversation about it. But it was just such a breakdown of expectations and communication, um, you know, that that was solvable with some conversation about setting expectations. So that was kind of um, a couple of examples. And as I was thinking about it, I probably could come up with five more examples of uh, things in just the past, you know, two years. So, um, you know, but talking about it, it. For us, sometimes they feel a little unbelievable that we've gotten to this kind of communication breakdown and expectations breakdown. But so Ann, you know, some marketers may listen to this and be like, well, wasn't that in the scope of work? Isn't that what that's for Uh, to communicate and align on expectations? But. You know, there are a lot of different people involved in the agencies, not everybody is um involved in the scoping process. Can you talk a little bit more about that how some of these simple things are missed during that process?
0: Well, sure. I think that the it depends on the kind of business that you're in, right? So there are, you know, there are you know, companies that have many 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 business units and brands, right? Very flat organization. And so like that kind of like centralized approach to somebody actually like owns the relationship They might, at the client, own the relationship, but they don't own all of the interactions. And so really making sure that the engagement and interactions are aligned with what the agreement says is, you know, I think that sits at the client. they got to be the leader there. You know, agencies can facilitate that, but clients really have to get out of their own way and, like, fix that stuff. I am a huge believer and making sure that your SOW is updated. You know, you're gonna obviously keep your you know legal partners happy and your you know CFO and and risk people really happy. And with the amount of money that's really flowing through the operation, you need to get that right. I'm not talking about the fee here. I'm talking about the actual media buy. Um, I'm a big fan of um, like Susie Welsh's uh, life transformation book. Called 101010. 10, 10. It's probably been out, I don't know, 20 years. And let's think about 222. Two, two. That might be a good approach to take. So, you know, you're asking yourself, what's the right thing to do in the next two minutes? Like right now. What's the best thing to do in the next two months? And what's the best thing to do in the next two years? So I would ask folks that are really want to work on their relationship and partnership to put a framework in place to do that and say, you know, you know, Susan, that, that story you told the, Carly and I are like, Oh man, we remember that, you know? And that was really about, Oh, I'm too busy to deal with, you know, I'm only in the two minutes. I'm not even thinking about the two months and forget about two years bad. You know, it just really, really short sighted. So yes, Make sure your sow is active. Make sure that everyone understands it and and can read the thing. And that it's not just like so tied up in in legal jargon that no one can really like understand it. Um, And make sure that you really have a framework to talk about the sow and how, um, you know, the work um, needs to be approached short term, medium term and long term. However, you as a, you know, a client team and agency team, you know, define that timetable. I think that's really cool stuff.
1: I have to add something to what you were, you talking about a scope of work on the agency side, it makes me have to confess something. I was on the agency side for 16 years, maybe more. And it wasn't until I was a VP that I even saw a scope of work. So most of my career on the agency side, I was just doing what I was told, not having any idea if it tied back to the scope of work, to the expectations and objectives of the client. It was was very based on what, what we were talking about in that moment. And so I can only imagine that is still the case that at on the agency side, very few people on the client team even have seen the scope of work.
2: And, and I think that's a great point because I remember, you know, when I was talking earlier about how, you know, different agency teams, you know, kind of move on and take their experience with them. I'll never forget, you know, I was a, a supervisor. I was on a client. I was doing things that were, you know, appropriate things in the media planning process. And I was presenting a plan to like the head of the account. Um, internally. And he was like, why did you do that? That's not in scope. Like, nobody told me that wasn't in scope. That, he's like, no, 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 that would be, yeah, they're not paying us to do that. Like, well, you never told me that. So <laughs> I guess good thing you caught it before I sent my work to the club. But like, how was I supposed to know that wasn't in scope? You know, so if you don't have those conversations with people, you know, and again, to me, it was an appropriate part of the planning process to do that. But I I understand why I shouldn't have been doing it. But who knew, you know? But
1: it's it's interesting because we're talking about communication right now, and I I know uh, most of the stuff we've been talking about is communication from one partner to the other, which is mm-hmm. you know a client to an agency and vice versa. But the what you just talked about, it's also internal communication. Yeah. There's you know it's just as important. Oh oh, to me, if so not more.
2: Your example of not having seen a scope of work till you were a VP—that is 100% internal communication on the mm-hmm. agency side. That agencies mm-hmm. need to get better because where Perry Ann was saying that client teams tend to be smaller, I bet the entire client team has a good idea of what's in the scope of work. But you've got a 60-person agency team; 15 of them maybe know what's in the scope of work, mm-hmm. and that's on them to make sure it's communicated down and that people are are um, you know really adhering to that. I mean, do we, think, do we think agency management <clears throat>
0: wants to keep that a little opaque? I, I think that they do sometimes. I don't think that they want everyone to know all of the details about it because they I think, think it they is don't it's confidential. Want
2: to... Well, yes and no. I would say, do they want the entire team to know what type of incentive compensation the agency is getting on a whole for the agency team doing good work? No, I don't think agency management wants, you know, the planners and assistant planners and those levels to know there's a 5% bonus that you're not getting attached to this contract. Mm-hmm. But as far as the rest of the expectations, I think, I, I don't know why they wouldn't want to share that.
1: But also, there's ways around that. It doesn't have to be here. Everybody, here's a copy of the scope of work. It could just be a simple, you know, here's some dos and don'ts, or here's the the absolute minimum that you that is expected. And if you know this, these, this is how much you could over deliver. And I don't mean G R P over delivery. I mean over delivery service. And then this is the do not enter zone because we're not being paid for that. A conversation mm-hmm. like that could just be happening. During a download, a briefing, when somebody new joins the team, there's, there's just so many opportunities. Again, not everything has to be so formal that it's an all hands-on meeting. It just, it's, it's just about talking to each other and making sure that each conversation is focused on the important stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like that first six months you're on an account and everyone's like, no, that's not how we do it. No, that's not how we do it. It's like, there's a way to formalize that and kind of make sure people are onboarded in a way where they know that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but yeah, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, clients and agencies to really work on this communication on a day-to-day level. Not, I'm not talking, again, The communication when it's time for your performance review with the client and agency, and they're giving you feedback. I mean, mean, the clients on a day-to-day basis should be able to have some of this feedback with agencies, and agencies internally um, can figure out a way to make sure that their teams are set up for success um, in working with these clients by knowing all of the information they need to know. And. And I love Parian's idea of the two, two two. That's i I think something that would be hugely beneficial, um, you know, for a for a framework for for agencies to think about how they're managing work for the clients. So um, well, this is a great conversation, guys. I love talking about this stuff. And you know, this is something um getting into really the first of the five essentials communicated in the line on this expectations. This is something that, you know, really should be done on an ongoing basis. Um, You know, like some of these examples we shared, you know, you never want to let things get so bad. So it's something that can be implemented at any time and um, really done on an ongoing basis. So we're going to be back shortly with number two on uh, the five essentials, but this has been great. And thank you everyone for listening.